Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today I have Shampa Bagji with me. Today she's the founder of Converge Hub and CoreLinks. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Omar. Happy to be here. Looking forward to our chat. Me too. What was kind of interesting was, you know, especially on the Converge Hub, you're really looking to find the intersection between business, technology, and people. And oftentimes, you know, the business people are just concerned about business. The technology people is like, uh, don't worry about the user interface or those weird bags of water. We don't care about them. Then you got the human thing, which is ultimately what it's all about. So how do you bridge that gap between those three worlds? Because ultimately, it's only one world and the people yes. that can actually navigate that true sense get the best results. Yes, yes. Omar, now I have always been in technology like so th- with a background of uh, computer science mm-hmm. and I founded tech companies, um, live in the Silicon Valley. But to me, it's never been just about technology. Uh, it's not because it's in or it's cool. But really what it is about how that technology will help people, you know, how does it help businesses and ultimately, you know, help the people. So that intersection between uh, technology and people and businesses is what always, and I'm always passionate about, you know, that little area. So with Converge Hub, what we aim to do is that we look, we help you look at people at your customers as as real people, you know, not so much as, you know, depending on what department you are working on in a business, mm-hmm. it's so easy to look at customers like, you know, and email address or a phone number to cold call or an order to fill, fulfill or, uh, I don't know, an uh, mailing address to send your invoice to. So it is so easy to do that. But what a Converge Hub aims to do is it gives you a complete 360-degree view of your customers, which helps you look at the customers in a holistic way. And when you do that, you know, when you look at a customer as a person rather than as a phone number or what have you, mm-hmm. things change completely. Things change in the sense, even within your team, you know, when a support person kind of knows about you know the kind of things that he has purchased or a salesperson knows if this person has if this customer has had any issues uh, customer service issues basically when you're looking at the entire data rather than just a subset of what you are uh, you know supposed to look at how you interact you know what kind of conversations you have with your customer how you follow up everything changes completely so that's what we help businesses do so how is this different than uh, you know some of your competitors? Because certainly they have a lot of that information too. How do you position it in such a way that the salesperson or the support person can transcend the interface and get to know the person? How is it different than other CRMs? Yeah, what we do is we let you look at everything in one one specific 
screen, if, if you say, if you might. Uh, right. You can, you can look at it as um, uh, even whether you are a support person, you are still looking at the sales number. You don't necessarily have to be able to change things. You don't necessarily, you know, have to be able to have even a say at how, you know, sales should work. I mean, you can, but really what you are doing is you are looking at all the data, all the, maybe the marketing emails that he has, uh, you know, looked at or the timeline, the entire history of how he has gone, uh, you know, through his life cycle as a customer and look at everything together in one page and, you know, have some insights, some additional insights that we give you, which helps you. No, look at the customer as a person rather than the whole, um, you know, a little subset of uh, data. Excellent. So you have a sales team. How many people in your sales team? Uh, sales team, I don't have a large sales team. You know, basically we just, you know, work on words of mouth, but it's me plus two other people. Nice. So how do you manage the other two people? Like you're going to be growing this department as you go, you reach a threshold and then it takes off. So how are you currently managing your team and how are you prototyping that leadership? So when you do expand, you've got a framework in place. Sure. So what we are, again, you know, we are big on looking at Things in a holistic way. So one of the main things that we do, even if it's uh, salespeople, we let you know we have a fairly big you know uh, engineering team, and we have uh, you know along with it a little bit of marketing and sales and support. So what we try to do is have a very open interaction between all of these teams, so that sales knows exactly you know what's going on in engineering, what challenges engineering is facing, and there is like a two-way uh, back and forth sharing of knowledge. If if you will say similarly, even with support, they have regular meetings with sales um, and with the engineering team. So they are all kind of, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, which really, you know, help them not just while selling, but it not just the sales team that benefits for him, but even engineering and support, you know, just from this uh, interaction, they, they know exactly know what the customers are looking for they're able to keep their you know their pulse uh, the finger on the pulse and uh, you know they, they are able to uh, focus more on the customer so do you use uh, betas to kind of test out uh, new additions before it goes live oh absolutely yes you know we yeah yeah we do that nice so where are you heading now like what's the next thing for uh, converge hub like what's the next plateau you're going towards Oh yeah, converge up. There are you know, big things uh, in the pipeline. So we are in the process of uh, building uh, an entirely new converge up. So that's going to be out next year. So we're really, really excited about that. And so again, you know, we have this fundamental thing about you know looking at a 360 degree view of looking at a customer as a person, and we are really going to enhance that part of it. So right. Starting from the time when a customer is you know, really cold, maybe, you know, it's, it's not your customer, it's a lead, you can't even say it's a lead, it's probably a cold email on your list. You know, from that time, until that person, you know, guiding them in, through the entire life cycle of sales, until the customer is uh, not just a paying customer, but a happy paying customer, right. uh, you know, yeah, so your advocate even. So that entire life cycle is already managed within Converge Hub, but we are going to focus on that life cycle. And specifically, we are going to focus on how are you going to identify that person as, as that single person throughout that journey. 
And that really, even if, uh, you know, it seems an easy thing to do in technology, it isn't just because when you're coming in, you know, how do you track a person who is you know, on your website, maybe, you know, made a couple of visits to how do you track that person when, you know, he's actually, you know, buying from you and the revenue that you have generated. So tracking him in through the entire process of sales is uh, something that we aim to do in uh, even better way in uh, in the new Converge Hub. Uh, then we have like a, a, a conversations uh, kind of tab where we are going to track every single thing that is you know done by this person so whether that's a website visit whether that's uh, a form that he has filled up whether that's uh, a tweet that he has sent so any kind of interaction with between that person and your company is something that's going to be tracked in a, you know in a very different manner and you know we are going to use all these new technologies that has come up ai you know to give you insights so yeah there are very 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 exciting things uh, coming up Brilliant. Some of uh, your competitors have uh, a lot of marketing function built into the CRM. So it yes. basically becomes a one-stop shop. Yes. So do you have that as well in your solution? Yes, we do. You know, we already have marketing. You know, we do a lot of um, email marketing, even social media marketing currently. And again, that's going to be you know even more enhanced in the new version. We are going to focus a lot on the marketing side of things. And uh, because one thing currently we don't focus on so much is your website. We do have website forms that you can build and we do track it, but uh, you know, there are many other functions out there which uh, you know, we are going to focus more and more in this next version in, uh, that's coming out next year. Brilliant. So as a leader, uh, you've got engineering, you've got uh, support, you've got sales. How do you A, manage everyone? Mm -hmm. And uh, do you have direct reports or are you like a very flat organization? I do have direct reports. Um, I have some you know, team leads that I primarily have daily meetings with, but at the same time, we are also a very flat organization. So everybody knows if they really you know, want to talk to me, they have having any kind of issues, they are welcome you know, to come and uh, you know, talk to me. And there's one thing that I keep telling them, because a thing about um, when you are working, you know, when you're working, especially with uh, a very tiered organization, is that the team members, especially the ones who are more junior, tend to lose sight of the big picture. And especially you have to make sure that the big picture is communicated to them in order for them to know that big picture and how they just tend to focus on their piece of code or you know, those you know, maybe you know, five or 10 customer calls that I have to make or those support tickets I have to answer. But they don't really look at that big picture. So. One, uh, you know, to even make them understand that, you know, one, one, I have a favorite story that I keep telling them. Mm -hmm. and so I could, you know, go ahead and please <laughs> with your permission. So, yeah, what I keep telling them is, you know, there was this construction site where there were these three, you know, construction workers working and the one person passing by notices these three construction workers working, building something. And it's a very hot day. So he stops by, he decides to stop by and uh, talk to them. So he goes and talks to the first construction workers and asks them, you know, what do you do? So his answer is, you know, can't you see, you know, I'm just, you know, laying bricks and building this foundation and I'm laying one brick on top of the other. So he then goes on to the next person and he asks, what are you doing? And he's doing the exact same thing. And he says that I'm building this wall. So it looks like this is some kind of a building and I, I just have to build this wall. So that's what I'm doing. He goes to the, the third person and asks the same question. What are you doing? So he says, 
you know, I am building this this church, and you know, this thing that I'm you know working on right now is actually going to be that altar where you know people are going to come to worship. So everyone's doing the exact same thing, though. What, what changes here is the perspective of you know how you are looking at what it is that you're doing, right. and just by changing that perspective, how you are doing your work and how you are approaching your work changes completely. So that. That's my favorite story that I keep telling my employees. Nice. So one of the things that you know companies struggle with, here's the typical kind of things. Number one, people don't know what other people do, roles and responsibilities. Yes. You think it'd be very fundamental, but oftentimes it is not. Yes. The second thing is, who are we? Well, what are we trying to achieve? Which is like uh, dumbfounding to leaders because like we're communicating that all the time, but not as effectively as they could. True. So how do you ensure that, you know, you keep your company on track and that they're actually getting what you're trying to communicate? Yes. Uh, what we try to do here is, one, we already talked about, we have a you know, meeting between teams all the time. So they're between you know, departments. So they are all communicating with each other because what really matters at the end of the day, you know, between your team is how you're supporting your customer, right? How you are really, you know, adding value to your customers. Right. So, and even with uh, the, the more junior uh, team members, even if they are not directly you know, talking to the customers, we do have many of them sit on, on those calls or whether they are support calls, you know, whether they are even you know, development or you know, testing kind of calls, we have them sit on in there so they don't lose sight of what's important, number one. And then, of course, it's a matter of just being there for them, being able to highlight what it is that we are doing, you know, being able to talk to them, having daily, regular uh, meetings with them. And it's, I think it just boils down to communication and just, just talking to them about what it is that we are going to uh, do. So how do you know you're being effective? Because uh, oftentimes we think we're communicating. So I'm looking for, you know, other CEOs could go, oh, we need to do that to make sure that it's not just a... Uh, communication is com effective communication. How do you ensure it's effective? Is it just repetition or what are you using to make sure everyone's on the same page? Well, a lot of it is just like you said, it is repetition number one, because it is so important. I mean, we would think that we give, you know, one, one set of uh, maybe instructions or maybe even uh, 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 you know, talking to them about what's uh, important. And you would think that's enough, but it never is. So it's a matter of continuously repeating yourself. And also, you know, technology helps too. you know, having you know, one place or one archive where everybody can go to to mm -hmm. do certain things to find certain things. Um, it's um, you know, one place where they can see, you know, what's the next thing coming up. And, you know, we do that. We absolutely use technology for it. And again, you know, these things, it's never perfect. So you're always striving towards that goal. Right. So that's where we are at. You know, we keep, we keep improving and we keep improving. But are we at 100%? No. But uh, yeah, but it's just a matter of, I think, making sure you just communicate and making sure that information is available whenever it's needed. Absolutely. I think that third thing that really needs to add in there is are people understanding. And oftentimes, one of the things that some leaders do is uh, at every meeting is like, uh, all right, John, you get to kick this off. Yeah. Who are we? What are we doing? And it just, it keeps people on their toes. Mm -hmm. And two, if there's any kind of miscommunications, 
that can be picked up right away because you've probably worked in a lot of companies and that's one of the weak links ends up being communications. Here's the other one that I want to figure out how you do is oftentimes people tend to be selfish, tend to Mm -hmm. be defensive, Mm -hmm. but to get highly efficient teams, it can't be about me. It's got to be about us. So how do you get people to, to leave that human nature of, you know, my department's the best and we're fantastic to, it's not about us. It's about how do we serve our customers in a way that our organization wins. So how do you manage the culture? Oh yeah, that's, that's something that we have to work on on a daily basis because yeah, we do see all it all the time, especially in the kind of meetings that I'm talking about in interdepartmental meetings where everybody is trying to kind of, especially when things go wrong, you know, everybody's trying to make sure their yeah. department doesn't really good. Yeah. <laughs> get the blame. It happens all the time. But then again, it's a matter of just making sure, and I have to verbally repeat it and say it that it's really not about, you know, finding a scapegoat. This meeting is not about finding a scapegoat. You know, this meeting is not about, uh, you know, finding out who did it right or who did it wrong. It's mostly about ensuring, you know, how do we make sure if a mistake's been done, it doesn't happen uh, again. You know, if if there's something we can do better, it's about identifying what are the things that we need to get right next time. Um, and usually it's really not so much about one person's fault. Sometimes it is, but that's really very rare. Usually yes. it's about how maybe somebody misinterpreted something or somebody mm-hmm. did communicate, but it didn't really come out the way you were expecting. So it's it's really fudgy it's wrong you really cannot blame it on a person and that's not what we are we are looking to do it's really about how do we make sure if there is a communication issue how are we going to do it better next time you know what is it that we have to is there any documentation we need to put in place even you know is there any software we need to build you know what is it that we need to do so we just have to make it clear that there is no scapegoat here Absolutely. I think that's a really good word uh, because oftentimes that's what companies look for is who to blame and very much getting people to realize that we need to figure out when a mistake's being made quickly Mm -hmm. and focus on how do we fix it as opposed to how do we assign blame for it. Exactly. And also to get people to have courage because oftentimes in organizations, if there's a mistake being made, oftentimes people will hide it. Yes. And so how do we build a culture where people go, I got an issue. And then we can all discuss it. Like one of the things that drives me crazy is management teams meet. And when I think of the expense of a meeting of managers, let's say in a mid-sized organization, if everybody was a consultant, all the VPs were consultants, mm-hmm. they'd all be charging $1,000 an hour, CEO probably more. And that meeting just costs the company $30,000. Yes. And what we did was just do a check in how we're doing. And what it should be is what's a problem we can solve in this hour where we get the smartest people in the room doing something strategic for the company. Yes. And then that becomes a balancing act for CEOs of how do you get people to focus on what's most important and how do you get uh, to make sure the culture stays strong and then also, uh, you know, get your job done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, what you said is so absolutely right. And there is a balancing act right there because when we are all in a meeting, we are really not doing that you know work that that pile of work is not getting you know smaller but and we all know how much that meeting is costing us but at the same time if we don't do that meeting it's probably going to cost us more 
So that's you know one way of uh, of looking at things is it's maybe we are, it's costing us, but what if we didn't have the meeting? And then you know those challenges that we resolved in the meeting, so those challenges re- never really showed up in real life, which would have showed up if we did not have this meeting. So that's for me, you know, one way to keep perspective, and mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's it's uh, just making sure that. Those, you know, probably that one or one and a half hours we are spending, you know, we are spending in a correct way. And by correct way, I don't really mean it's always official. You know, sometimes in those meetings, we are, we are just having a personal talk. We are just, you know, exchanging news about something that happened, you know, maybe, you know, a family member, something about a family member. And, you know, as a CEO, you're always keeping track of that, you know, that that time. But at that same time, that's what culture is made up of, right? That's the glue that holds that's it together. That's the glue, Absolutely. exactly. Exactly. There is no, you cannot assign a dollar sign to it. You know, there is no dollar figure on that. You know, that's that's what you build when you're having these meetings. And sometimes letting just the conversation flow. I mean, I mean, you can look at it both sides. Sometimes if it gets too much, maybe, you know, you rein it back a little bit. But if you don't let that happen, then there is not going to be that bonding. And when something goes wrong, then people are not going to be able to lean on each other or not going to be able to trust each other enough to be able to say here, you know, I made a mistake. Maybe I goofed up or, you know, maybe you did that one little thing you did. You know, maybe, you know, that was not the right thing to do because people will just be defensive and making sure they don't get assigned the blame. Absolutely. I was working with a company out in Silicon Valley where they hired me to come in to work with the sales team. And it was like, we talk about selling on value, but our salespeople keep on selling on price mm. and they discount, yeah. uh, help us with this. And when we started looking at it, it turned out that it wasn't a sales department issue primarily. Mm-hmm. It was the sales department did not trust the engineering department because the engineering department had said, Hey, this new release is coming out on January 1st, this new product, go ahead, start selling it. And mm-hmm. then we're in August, it still isn't out. Right. And then uh, engineering is like, we were talking to the marketing people and they said, this is what's going to be required two years from now, start right. building this. And that, mm. so there was a distrust between the departments. And when we yes. solved that issue, the salespeople started selling because they could trust that the customer is going to be looked after. So oftentimes trust is such a critical element of what we do. If we've got that foundation, we can be nimble, we can be quick, we can make mistakes, we can rebound very quickly. And so that's part of the job of the CEO is to, how do you get people to put the team before self? Yes, exactly. So before we part company, I've got three questions for you. Number one, what's a lesson you've learned in the last few years that uh, you would go, yeah, let me share with you. This is what I learned. This is how I learned it. And this is like really, really useful for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there have been many lessons that oh, yeah. I have learned. <laughs> Yeah. So being a CEO, being uh, trying to manage people, you know, there are so many uh, lessons, but um, yeah, there's something that I would like to you know, probably share with you as an entrepreneur. I learned my lesson as an entrepreneur in a, in a slightly, you know, uh, in a way that's a little difficult even. Um, so I have a part of my team, you know, working from India, especially the engineering team is working mm-hmm. out of my, our office in India. And when I just had started off, we had this um, very, uh, you know, one person whom I probably trusted more than I should have. And there was a lot of money that was stolen. And this was very early days of the company. Yes. So I kind of, you know, lost faith. And I was, that day I was really upset with the fact that 
I was blaming myself. I was, of course, blaming that person. And I should not have trusted with that person with the money. So, and what happens is, you know, when something like this happens, you tend to kind of lose sight of being able to even trust people. Right. And that very day, somehow, I was even thinking of, you know, maybe shut down that office and move over everything to more closer home here in uh, the US. And all kinds of things were going on in my mind. And that very day, I had to pick up somebody from a railway station in India. And so I was there and I saw this person who was, uh, you know, selling some trinkets. You know, he probably had some 12 or 15, some trinkets, some toys kind of a thing that he was selling. He really looked like, you know, he needed the money. He really looked like, you know, his clothes were in tatters. He looked like he needed, he hadn't eaten. So I just you know, stole him that, asked him how much uh, that entire thing or the entire set cost. He gave me a number. I just gave it to him. And he started you know, counting everything and handing me those, making sure I got the exact number of that, whatever he was selling. And I really didn't need those. So I didn't have any place for them in my house. I said, I really don't need this. You know, you can keep that and sell it to it another person. I was really trying to help uh, that person. But what he said, no, if you don't take this and I don't need the money, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. So to me, that that whole thing changed my perspective about what it means to be an entrepreneur. It is really not about that money you're making or losing. It is, you know, that pride you have in, you know, however you're helping your customer in whatever it is that you're selling your product or your service, how you're adding value to this world. So that person really opened my mind just by refusing to be anything more than a businessman or an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And may I tell that story to others? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, oftentimes, we're so busy worrying about ourselves and whatever mess we've gotten ourselves into. Yes. That we don't realize the universe or God or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. sends down messengers, which are other human beings, exactly. just at the right time. And way too many people miss that message. Yes. yes and yes. so paying attention and being present is, is really important. Oh, absolutely. So this person, I really, at that point of time, it was universe or gods or whoever's way of telling me that all is really not lost with the world. I mean, you have all kinds of different people, you know, have, have on one hand, you have people who will steal from you. On other hand, you have such honest people, you know, who will kind of, you know, have that uh, be an entrepreneur, even if it means you're foregoing some, you know, a, a money you really need, you could really use. So Marcus Aurelius, Emperor of Rome, Mm -hmm. I've written a book and uh, the book was about, you know, one chapter about family, mm -hmm. politics, business. And it's like, you know, if you're business associates and thing turns badly and is horrible, just consider this, at least you're not dead. Yeah. And the family chapter was the same, the way it ended, at least you're not dead right. and money will come and go. Yes. And there's more than enough money out there. Exactly. Oftentimes not in my hand, which is really upsetting, but... <laughs> If you lose some, as long as you learned the lesson from it, uh, we're not dead. We're going to go on. And that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. Right. And I heard something the other day, somebody was mentioning, it's not making a ton of money and then lying on a beach or whatever you want to do. Because mm -hmm. then you're like, now what? Yeah. It's the exactly. journey. Oh, yes. It's the entrepreneurial journey is the juice that keeps you going. Yes. And if you're a, a composer, it's composing keeps you going. If you stop composing, you will die. Exactly. Not literally, but uh, mm -hmm. the light in your soul is going to be diminished. Absolutely. So Stand it's, it's, not, it's never on. about the money that you get. It's never about what you're getting. It's about what 
I believe it's about what you're being, the person that you're being while you are working on your business, the person that you are, whatever you are learning and the person you will be as a result of learning that those lessons that uh, you are learning, you know, this is the journey that you have chosen to take and it's going to take you somewhere and it's all about that. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Brilliant. This was such a delightful conversation. I can't wait for our next. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much, Umar. Uh, thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 